This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. In Melissa Spolstra's new Bible study, Isaiah, you'll learn to rest in God's promises and grow in trust. Unpacking the words of Isaiah will show you that you can trust God more than your own human effort or the counterfeits the world suggests. You won't be striving harder, but instead trusting more deeply the faithful one who is so worthy of your utter dependence. In him, you'll find the comfort and peace you need to sustain you. Learn more at lifeway.com Isaiah. Hello and welcome to the Mark Podcast. My name is Elizabeth Heinemann and I am here with my co-host Kelly King. Hey Kelly. Hey Elizabeth. We get to talk about the book of Isaiah today. When was the last time you did that? I mean, it's been a while probably, you know. But I'm excited to introduce everyone to Melissa. Yes. Yes. So our podcast guest today is Melissa Spolstra. Hello, Melissa. Hey guys, I'm so excited to talk Isaiah with you guys. Yes, we are so excited to talk to you and just to like get to know you a little bit better. I know some of our audience, you're a newer Bible study writer for the Lifeway Women team and audience, um, but you have been teaching the Bible for a while, so we want to we want to get to know you better. But tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your ministry. Sure. So I've been married to my husband Sean for 27 years. We have been on the trek these last few years of moving from authority to advisor in the parenting dealio. So our (laughs) four kids are all out of the house. I wasn't quite ready for the empty nest yet, though. So we um, have had a foster son for the last year and a half um, who just recently was reunited with his family. So that's been a new journey for us in these last couple years with foster care. So yeah, and ministry-wise, I just am one of these people who loves the Word of God. I went to the Moody Bible Institute to study education and be a teacher like my sisters and my mom, but just fell in love with my theology classes and switched my major to Bible theology and just really loved digging in. So it was maybe about 10 years ago, where with my own Bible study group just was like, there are some topics I want to tackle that I couldn't find resources for. And that's really how I started uh, writing Bible studies for women. That's awesome. Yeah, I know that you, I mean, like Elizabeth said, you're kind of a new author with Lifeway, but you definitely are not a new author and you've written several Bible studies, but we do want to focus on like, because this Bible study just released. And so, you know, Isaiah, just that simple, short, you know, little major prophet, you know, (laughs) not a minor prophet, but major in the sense of a big book. So Let's just like start from the very basic of why did you decide to write on Isaiah and what are you, what's your hope for the women who do this study? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think what kept drawing me out was I kept seeing the little headings in the book as I was reading through it that said, a call to trust the Lord, a call to trust the Lord. And I was just especially struck when I got into that section, kind of the comfort section in the 40s, 40, 41, 42, 43, where God is like, I want to comfort my people. 
but they keep turning to idols. And I had never seen this before when I'd read through the book, this connection between idolatry and comfort. And this was really hitting home for me personally, because I know that when I'm weary or when I'm struggling, I tend to find a remote or a phone or some food to comfort me. And I was just looking and noticing how Isaiah is just calling to God's people saying, don't turn just to distractions or escape or counterfeits, really, but turn to God wants to comfort us. And he's offering that. And yet his people in the book of Isaiah turn to other things. And I think I just really wanted to write about Isaiah because I was like, I want to delve into this. What does it look like to trust the Lord in all areas? But what was really jumping out to me was in this area of comfort. And I don't know for you and Kelly Elizabeth, what your struggle is with where you turn for comfort. But does that does that resonate with you at all as well? Oh, oh definitely. <laughs> I, when you just said that, I thought, okay, this is very convicting because yes. we do so many times, like we look for comfort outside of the Lord. And so we find it in pleasurable activities or whatever, which you're right, that just becomes idols in our life. And so, uh, yeah. Well, it may not even necessarily be sin, you know, but it's mm-hmm. just things that are distractions or escape. Yeah. And instead, God wants, like, I've never come to the end of a Netflix marathon and gone, my soul just feels so nourished, <laughs> right? <You> right. <laughs> yeah, and I think especially in the last few years with COVID and all that that ent- has entailed and all the just political strife, like all kinds of, I mean, there's been a lot to grieve over and there's been a lot Mm -hmm. that we've needed comfort for. And so I have seen in my own life, um, some bad habits form, like you said, like reaching for the remote to provide comfort or reaching for, you know, whatever it may be. And it may not be sinful, but just replacing those things with God or replacing Mm -hmm. those things for God is sinful. And so I think that, um, yeah, that definitely, we need to look to God. So that's a helpful reminder when we need comfort and we need a lot of comfort all the time, but especially the last few years, we've seen that need increase. And so to answer the second part of your question was, you know, what, what is my hope for women that study Isaiah? I think Isaiah is one of these guys who just, we know a lot of the verses that are kind of scattered, some of those powerful verses, but to see just how much we can trust him for comfort, but in all these other areas, we can trust his calendar, we can trust his commands, we can trust his correction. That like when Isaiah actually encountered God, because there's this spot in Isaiah chapter six, where he literally gets in the physical presence of God. And what he doesn't say is, wow is me. He Uh says, woe is me, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's, my hope for women that study it is that they would finish the study and go, wow is God and woe is me. And praise God that he is is for me and has sent his son to die for me and that I don't have to strive in my own strength, that I can trust him because he's so good. Mm, that's beautiful. So in the introduction of the study, you say, as we embark together on a study of the prophet Isaiah's biblical book, we will discover a simple but life-changing truth. Following God isn't about striving. It's about trusting God more, which is kind of what you were just talking about. So how does this? How has this truth changed your own life? Well, I think I just keep coming back to it because yeah. my tendency is the flip of those things, mm-hmm. is to strive more and trust God less. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, I figured it out, checked it off. I now know that I don't need to strive and I need to trust God. That in the drift for me, 
And I wonder for others out there, if in the drift for you is a drift towards self-reliance and towards self-sufficiency of checking the spiritual Christian boxes, but getting away from that intimacy of just trusting the Lord and relying on Him and not feeling like we have to do all the things, you know, to earn. Now we do, we do some things in our Christian lives, but they're on the, on the other side of it. They're from the outflow of His love for us, not to try to get in good with Him. And so I think this is just for forever for me, even, you know, since I've written it, I'll find myself in the drift towards self-reliance, self-sufficiency, which, you know, what does that look like in every day on the ground? For me, that looks like worry, excessive planning. You know, I know my triggers and I think for all of us, we can go, what does it look like for us when we realize we're, you know, drifting into self-reliance and self-sufficiency? And Isaiah's message just kind of realigns me to that truth that I can strive less and trust God more because he is so faithful and so good. And his call to me is an invitation to trust him, not to work my tail off to try to get his approval. Right. Uh, I think that, again, I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, okay, you're just piercing my heart of all the things that I just think we tend as women, a lot of times we want to have control, right? Mm. Or or we just think, I can... I can handle this. And and it's not that we, I, I even think there's times that I don't purposely say I'm not trusting you, God. It just, you go into this just automatic self-reliance mode, like you said, and you just think, okay, I'm, I'm going to fix this or I'm going to do this, whether it's for myself or my children or, you know, someone else, a, a coworker and, and, but putting, putting our trust in the Lord, that is, that's an ongoing, that's, that's really part of just the denying yourself every day, right? Right, right. And mm-hmm. I love what you said, that it can take the shape of control. And I, I do think one of the, the important things to do is to identify what are the symptoms, you know, because they're not maybe the same for everybody of when we've moved into striving mode. You know, is it for some, it might be fatigue. Like I said, for me, it's worry and excessive planning for you. You might go, oh, I'm starting to control things. That's the, the indicator because you're right. None of us set out, wake up in the morning and go, oh, I'm going to not trust God today. I'm going to trust <laughs> myself, you know, but it's this drift and it's this slow, sneaky drift that we may not even recognize we're in until we start to See the symptoms. And I think what's so amazing about the prophet Isaiah is that he teaches us how to realign our minds and our hearts to the truth that we can trust God because he's so faithful. Well, you may have already kind of shared a little bit, but as you studied, as you wrote through the study, did you have any just like personal aha moments or anything that just maybe surprised you as you studied this? I think, yeah, the biggest thing for me was just how much Jesus is in Isaiah. I think, you know, we know Isaiah 53 is this incredible picture of the suffering servant. But as I just dug into the commentaries and the who and the what and the why, I I don't think that I had ever known that there are four servant songs in the book of Isaiah and all of them are messianic. I mean, there is so much about the coming Messiah, whether it's his first coming or even some prophetic things that are yet to be fulfilled about his second coming, that commentators have referred to the book of Isaiah as the fifth gospel. And just to say that we would know a lot about Jesus, even if we didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just from the book of Isaiah. And I I was just overwhelmed by that, Um, so much so that I made day five of every week of study about Jesus in 
the book of Isaiah. So I'm like, don't skip day five if you do this study <laughs> because you'll be skipping Jesus and ain't nobody want to do that, right? Right. <laughs> but just, I was just really struck of, of just how faithful our God is that even, you know, 700 years before Jesus came in the flesh, God was giving his people the promise and the hints and the glimpses and the shadows of this Messiah who would come. I mean, even just in chapter one, when it starts out with some judgment about the wayward people of Israel, the wayward people of God, which we can all find ourselves there. But immediately Isaiah 118 says, come now, let's settle this, though your sins are scarlet, I will make them white as snow. I mean, talk about not needing to strive. He's saying, I'm going to send the Messiah. That's where your cleansing is. That's where your renewal is. That's where your covering is. And so it's just such an encouraging message to me of how much um, we see the Savior in Isaiah. Okay, well, one of those may be the answer to this next question. (laughs) But if you had to pick a favorite verse in Isaiah and which would it be? And did that change as you studied? Because like you said, there are a lot of those like memory oh verses gosh, in Isaiah. So hard to <laughs> because there are so many, right? Yes. But I do think I discovered a new gem that I think I could say right now might be my favorite. It probably changes, but it's, it's Isaiah 30, 18. And it says this, so the Lord must wait for you to come to him. So he can show you his love and compassion for the Lord is a faithful God Blessed are those who wait for his help. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of these verses. I don't know that I'd seen this picture that the Lord is waiting for us to come to him, to stop our striving, to stop trying to figure everything out, to stop, you know, human strength. But he's just patiently waiting. And he's not waiting for us so he can reprimand us, so he can tell us how it is, so that he can show us his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. That's one of those wow is wow moments for me is that this is who God is. And I think the Old Testament sometimes gets the bad rap. We think of a book like Isaiah full of judgment. And we, we do see hope and judgment intertwined in the book of Isaiah. But behind every piece of that judgment, we see God's heart going, I just see you out there you know, trying in your own strength, following paths of sin that lead to suffering. And I'm a faithful God who's compassionate and I'm waiting for you to come to me. And so that was such a beautiful picture. So I would say that probably changed. Probably one of my favorite verses would have been, you know, about, you know, wait on the Lord and you will, um, he will renew your strength and you will Mm -hmm. rise up on wings like eagles, you know, from Isaiah 40s, kind of the classic passage. I probably would have quoted that before this study as my favorite Isaiah verse, but man, Isaiah 30, 18, just really that picture of God waiting for me to get to the end of myself and and come to him just really, really strikes me. It's a, I, I don't know that I, I mean, I've read through that verse before, but just what you said is just beautiful. And I'm, I just kind of pulled it up even on my phone and looking at even the verses after that, that it talks about just God is our teacher and that wherever we turn, his ears will hear this command behind you. And this is the way walk, walk in it, you know, and walking in the commands of the Lord and just following, letting him be our teacher and our guide. Um, I, I think the poetry sometimes of Isaiah 
is often forgotten. And it mm-hmm. just, there's such beauty in the way that it's written. Uh, so there's a lot of, probably a lot of aha moments for all of us. And I love that um, in every week you included a memory verse. So tell us a little bit about like why you felt that was really important. And then we have listeners all the time ask us, you know, what are what are some ways to memorize scripture? You know, how, do you have any tips on memorizing scripture? So we'd love to hear your input on that. Well, I, I include memory verses because, first of all, there's just so many good ones in Isaiah to commit to memory. And for me, I, and I found this from talking to other women as well, there's something about reading scripture that is beautiful and awesome. But when you sit and memorize it, and I know I'll talk to women and they're like, I can't memorize. I'm like, just try. Like, write it out on a card and meditate on it and look at it and then put your card away and try to say it. And I have all kinds of just aha moments as I memorize scripture. And I think just because those truths sink a little deeper. I also, as someone has said to me before that uh, memorizing scripture increases the Holy Spirit's vocabulary in your life. Mm -hmm. And I have personally found that to be true that when, especially in one of those weary moments when I'm needing comfort, I find that's often when the Holy Spirit brings back to mind um, one of these verses of comfort, but also other times of conviction. And so my best advice, the only success I've ever had with scripture memory is getting a partner, finding someone else who will meet with me on a weekly basis and say verses. And uh, I've done this for about a decade, a little over 10 years. And before that, I'll be honest, I tried many times to memorize scripture on my own, but just for me, I need accountability. And the first two partners that I got, every time we'd meet, they'd go, I didn't do it. And I'd be like, I didn't do it either. So that's a sign <laughs> that you need to find someone. You'll find someone eventually. I've had those partners before too. <laughs> right, right. And so I finally found someone and she was like, she'd show up with four verses every week. And there were a few times I didn't, you have weeks where what for whatever right. reason, you didn't get it done. So there's a lot of grace in it. I think sometimes people don't want to set a memory work goal because we think we might fail and it's one more thing. Thing we'll feel bad about that we didn't do. And so I want to say when you set memory verse goals, like do it with grace. If you aim for one every week and you do one every two weeks, that's more than if you did nothing, right? If you had no plan. So celebrate the win of however much you can do, but find a partner. I found this great partner and it was awesome. And we met every week. Um, we actually met in person. We prayed for each other. It was a quick meeting because if it's too long, you know, you'll, you'll skip it or not find time for it. But we would just have our own plan, say our verses to each other, pray for each other and leave. Well, then I moved and I needed to find a new partner. And I went through two other people because I asked people and not everybody's interested, you know, mm-hmm. in, in committing verses to memory. But there, I, I would just say, have some grit, press on, find the person. And I found a great person here and now she, I'm moving and she's actually moved. So we're doing it now on a phone call just once a week. Mm-hmm. It really takes about 15 minutes for us to each say our verses and pray for each other. And so the only success I've had is that. So that's all I have to share about the best way to really be committed in memory work. And it's so worth it. It's just such a, I don't know why I don't want to do it, but I don't want to do it. But then when I have the accountability and make myself do it, I'm so blessed by it. It's yeah. like exercise. I don't want to do it, but yeah. I feel better when I do it. Right? <laughs> yeah. There you, go. there you go. It's like any of those disciplines in life. They're good for us. It's like right. salad. I don't want to eat it, but <laughs> it's good for me. Yeah. 
Right. Well, we wanted to shift gears a little bit from Isaiah um, to you've written some other books about making disciples at home and living intentionally in an unstable world, which, I mean, all of us are aware that the world is unstable, (laughs) definitely. So you're a mom to four grown-ish kids. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like you you stated before, you're you're switching from like a I don't remember what words you used. Advisor, yes, advisor. Yeah, there you go. So, what encouragement do you have for women who are every day trying to live intentionally in an unstable world? Um, They may be, they may have little disciples at home that they're trying to make disciples, um, or they may not. So, what what would you, what encouragement would you have for women who are just trying to live in the everyday, like Christ? Yeah, yeah. So. For me, I always looked at the model of Jesus, how he modeled and trained for his disciples. You see him do it in all of these disciplines we were just talking about, right? Like with prayer, he went and did it himself. And then he taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer, how to pray. He studied the word of God on his own. And then he went off and and also taught his disciples how to do it. And I would say that with all of the disciplines, whether you're talking about rest or finding community or generosity, all of those things, just, you know, when you have littles at home and whether you're a mom or a grandma or an aunt or a Sunday school teacher, you know, when you're when you're trying to live intentionally in an unstable world, to me, it's all about modeling and training, saying, God, do this first in me and then help me pass that on to the next generation. And what does that look like? Now, where I'm sitting today in this advisor role, the harder part for me is to stop all the training <laughs> and to, to let them come to me. And I'll, I'll tell you, this has been a rough transition for me. I, it is hard for me not to want to teach, train, fix, solve, um, do all the things with adultish kids. And the question I'm constantly sitting in is, am I willing to allow my children to discover their own need for God at this point? And it doesn't mean I don't talk about the Lord. I don't answer questions that they have, but I'll just tell you preaching at them all the time when they're young adults is not, uh, has not been fruitful for me. (laughs) So, um, so I think living in an unstable world is, is tough and we have seen so much change and it will continue to change. And, And the world's never been stable. Let's go back to the Roman era, you know, and, and other times in history, you know, when things, things can feel topsy turvy, but our only hope is to, is to model and train. And, and that means to, to live it out personally or in our own walks, relying on Jesus, seeking, you know, his spirit, his wisdom, his truth, and then asking him, what does it look like for me to make disciples? Does that mean I'm in high training mode because my kids are younger? Or does that mean I'm more in prayer and hold my tongue mode? <laughs> and that's, that's where I'm at right now. Well, you even, I mean, as you're talking about that, just as you're discipling others and you are in the midst of, you know, this move to another state and, it's it's hard. It's a hard move. I mean, I know I did this five years ago, and mm-hmm. you feel like you've invested in the community where you are, and you poured your life into others. But you know, it, what would be some some ways that that you would encourage women to like, hey, don't be afraid to to step into that discipleship of younger people in the faith, and because how has that encouraged you? Oh my goodness, 
It's encouraged me so much. We have um, about 12 young couples that have all been married three years or less that for the last three years have been in our house every Tuesday night. In fact, this is the last week they'll be at my house, um, which just can make me get all kinds of feelings. But (laughs) just having a relationship relationships with these young girls, first of all, has encouraged my soul so much as I think about the next generation of young women coming up because they are hungry for God's word. They are asking questions. They are desiring, you know, a a walk with him. And I see them really supporting each other, which is super encouraging. But it's interesting. I just met with one of them um, this weekend. And she was, you know, mourning that we're leaving because we're the old, you know, the older couple who have, I've thrown all the baby showers and I've been there when they're in a fight with their husband calling from the bathroom. You know, what do I do? And she's mourning that and saying, I don't know where to look for another mentor. And so I just, what I, as I was reflecting on her question, I was like, man, it's sometimes for us that want to disciple and pour into other people. It's just a ministry of presence. It's just showing up in their lives and building that relationship. So when they have the spiritual question, when they have the marriage or the parenting question, um, you've, you have that foundation of relationship. And I think sometimes as older women, we, you know, cultures change so much. We're, we're not always so cool anymore, or we feel like the young people don't want to be around us. They just want to be with each other. I would just say, I have found that is not true. They are longing for older women to come alongside and, So, you know, the way that that's looked for me is to offer to watch people's kids. There's no young mother that will turn down someone who says, (laughs) hey, can I come help you with your kids? You know, or just to reach out and look for ways to be around them. I think one of the, the hard things, one of the good things and one of the hard things about our current kind of church mode in this in this generation is that everything's so separate. We have the drop off here and the drop off there and the young people are together and the older people are together. And, and while that's good, I think we need to look for ways to cross those generational lines and, and develop those relationships so we can have that ministry of presence and, and get alongside uh, some of these younger women and just, just pour into their lives. They're looking for it. That's what I want to just say. They're, they're wanting it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I listened to some younger women just last week when we were talking about this, and they just said, we we don't need you to be perfect. We just need you to be transparent and let us see your messy life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, so true. Sharing what's actually going on and what my struggles are and what our struggles are, because we're, you know, we're all still struggling with this striving less and trusting God thing. And so we can we can connect with them, you know, in our weakness that way. I love that, Kelly. Yeah, and I've heard from so many people that um, are in these relationships, whether it's like small group leader or um, mentor or whatever, who are ta- talk about how much how meaningful it is when the older or the mentor or whoever starts opening up and is just like, guys, I need prayer this week. Like, this is what I'm struggling with, and just to, I think we're intimidated to let that because we want to. We want, as the person that is in the mentor position, we want people to think, okay, like it gets better. God is like, I just trust God now. <laughs> like, um, and and it, I think it's so much more helpful when we just admit, like, it is a daily 
choice and a daily struggle to, like we were talking about before, put God first in our lives right. and to when we let them know we're struggling with the remote and the Cheetos and the yeah, other, exactly, know, exactly, and to yeah. memorize scripture and all right. those things, like, um, and even just you saying like I don't want to memorize scripture, like I don't, and I don't want to do that. I think that's going to be so encouraging to people and so helpful because I think a lot of times people look at us, um, you especially, like you're a Bible teacher and think, oh my goodness, she's got it all together. She loves, she just loves God's word and just loves to sit in it. And, and that is true. We do love God's word, but there are times that it is, it is a discipline and it is something like we have to, we just have to sit down and do it. Um, and so I think that is going to be really encouraging to women, and I think it's, I hope that it's encouraging to both the the person in the mentor position as well as the person in the mentee position um, to just, hey, none of us have it all together. We're all working. <laughs> we're all striving yeah, to. That the mentee is also the mentor to someone else. Yes. As well. yes. That, you know, these young women, a lot of them are youth leaders in our church yeah. and they're pouring into high school girls and those high school girls can be pouring into younger. You know, there's no we should always be in both roles, you know, like, and I think that's why it's so important what you just said about being real and honest about our struggles so that they don't then go to their high school girls and try to act like they have it all together. That 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 is the gospel. The gospel is that we're sinners in need of a savior, that we're struggling, that we, until we meet Jesus face to face in the clouds, this battle with sin is, is a daily deal. And so to help each other and encourage each other that there is power and that there is encouragement and that there is forgiveness on the other side of our struggles. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And if you're looking for someone to mentor, just contact your like college young adult minister at your church. Um, they will yes. definitely pair you up with somebody. And if yeah. you're looking for a mentor, also contact your ministers at your church, um, small group ministers, because they know the people that are um, that could pour into you. And so I think a lot of times we end up cutting the church out of those, the church staff out of those conversations, just because we're thinking, oh, I just got to find some woman in the pew. And that's a lot of times things don't happen that organically. Um, you might need an assistant. And so I would just encourage people to talk to their uh, church staff, their ministers, and they can they can work to help you facilitate those relationships. Yeah. I, I want to add to that. Last week when I was on the campus of, one of, of a seminary and this young lady she made a comment about she had filled out a card at her church mm-hmm. and had said she wanted to be discipled and no one ever followed up with her. And that just broke my heart. I, I mean, so if you're if you're a woman on the staff and you are asking women who wants to be discipled and they say yes, like find someone for them. I mean, it was uh, there were about there were several women in there and we're all just looking at her like, we'll take you in. Like, oh. like and, but I mean, she was very matter of fact about it, but just kind of like, hey, like I was disappointed because no one followed up with me and I was seeking that relationship. Yeah. So that's just a warning. Like if you're going to ask for it, like help help young women out, help connect those relationships mm-hmm. for sure. That's so good. And I would just encourage women too to have grit. The first person I sought out to mentor me didn't work out that great, you know? You know what I mean? But then you just you just keep it's like everything else in life. You know, if you want it bad enough, if you really want an older woman pouring into you, you know, keep at it till you find someone. And I my mentor is someone that has become like family to me and someone that I can call. But like I had a fight to get to that 
point of to keep putting yourself out there or like the girl who fills out the card and nobody responds, you know, that's rough and you grieve that and you lament that, but just keep pressing on. It's that important. Yeah. Well, Melissa, we always ask one question because this is the March podcast. So we would love to know what is one thing that has marked you in your walk with Christ? You know, I was thinking about this question and you know, I'm just going to say the word dependency. And I think it's why Isaiah's message resonates so strongly with me is that uh, I just am constantly aware of my neediness for God and my need to be dependent on Him. You know, that we weren't, we were created to be connected with our Creator. You know, we weren't, it wasn't like, hey, start this Christian life with God and then run the rest of it on your own. And so I think what I'm marked by is just by this this constant need for the Lord. And what where that's revealed is in my time in God's Word and time in prayer. Just, you know, those are the things that help me stay really dependent on Him by, by realigning myself to the truths that He's revealed in His Word and, and seeking to understand them and by just spending that time uh, connecting with him in prayer. And sometimes that looks like silence or stillness, but that, that, that time to be filled and to be, you know, connected. I think about like a power cable that you plug in, you know, it'd be like trying to use your hairdryer, but it's not working, but it's not plugged in. And I think so many times in my Christian life, that's me not plugging in and realizing that dependency is the way of, of faith, of spiritual life, is to continually recognize how much I need the Lord and then plugging in and trusting Him instead of striving in my own strength. That's good. It really is. It really is. Well, I have just been encouraged and I've been challenged. I've been convicted in this interview. I don't know about you, Elizabeth. But, <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, def- definitely. This has been a, a wonderful time just getting to know you better, Melissa, and hearing your heart. And we're, we're super excited about your new study. So we want to encourage our listeners to check it out at LifeWay.com and, and you know look up Isaiah and Melissa's name. And um, thank you so much for just sharing with us and being with us today. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. I love to. Love to well, listeners, uh, thanks again for joining us this week. And Elizabeth and I will be back next week. So join us then. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heinemann. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at lifewaywomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>